0: Welcome to Leather Brains, the podcast for fantasy football. Now, introducing your host, Hunter Slapdog Amaruso and Matthew Scotty Holtmeyer. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Leather Brains. As always, I am your host. Slap Dog. Today is Thursday. It is Thursday, November 3rd, and you are listening to Leather Brains. Welcome aboard. We have a fun, filled, and very informative episode coming up full steam ahead. I am joined here today by my producer and very good friend, Scotty Del Rey. There is no Yeti, so it's just you and I again today. Mm. Are you ready to talk football? I think so. I
1: think I'm ready. Been okay. thinking about okay. it. Okay.
0: There, was, there was a lot of things that happened this week, or well, this... Yeah, this week. That's fair to say. Yeah, there's uh, the trade deadline obviously happened, and there's uh, some things to unpack there. So, today we're going to go over the news and some of those implications. We're going to do our starts and sits of the week, and then we're going to answer some brainy out questions to wrap this thing up. So, let's get down to business. Let's get down. Let's get down to business.
1: Yes, with the trade deadline passing, we had a record-breaking number of trades on deadline day. So I'm just going to go through and read through these real quick, and then we can go back and touch on all of the important ones and the implications for each. Um, So first things first, Chase Claypool did go to the Bears. TJ Hawkinson ended up at the Vikings. Naheem Hines ended up at the Bills. Calvin Ridley, in a surprise trade, went to the Jags, which, by the way, was the other team that he bet on uh, to get him banned from the season. Jeff Wilson to the Dolphins, Chase Edmonds to the Broncos. Kareem Hunt was not traded and Cam Akers was not traded. So what do you think? What's the most important one? What are the fantasy takeaways here?
0: I think a couple of these are kind of important. I think that, you know, one of the first ones that comes to mind for me is um, Chase Edmonds to the Broncos. I think that one is probably one of the more prominent ones in my eyes because, Chase Edmonds was slated to be the running back for the Dolphins this year. And then in a surprise, weird transaction way, Raheem Mostert took it. And then Jeff Wilson goes to the Dolphins too. So I, I think that Jeff Wilson going to the Dolphins was a really, really great move for the 49ers because they don't need him. They've got Elijah Mitchell. Who's going to come off IR and be that backup running back to none other than Christian McCaffrey. So Jeff Wilson, uh Tyrian Davis price any of those guys they they weren't really going to be utilized so i think this was a really great move for the dolphins as well as the 49ers because jeff wilson's a good running back jeff wilson has been a great feasible running back with elijah mitchell out and i think that's a good move because as we mentioned before on many many podcasts raheem Mostert is very injury prone so jeff wilson becomes that um that bench stash that he once was with C, you know when cmc came Came uh, to the 49ers, but I think this is a great move for Jeff Wilson owners because he gets feasibility again. Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars. I I'm gonna be I forgot Calvin Ridley. I forgot about Calvin Ridley. I'm gonna be completely honest. And when I saw that, I was like, what in the hell? The Jaguars need help at wide receiver. Calvin Ridley, I, I think that's a really risky move. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but that is a really risky move for the Jaguars because Calvin Ridley will not have played in the NFL for the last two years.
1: Yeah, and he's not getting any younger, and he's got this really bad habit of uh, finding his way off the field. Uh, but with that said, when Calvin Ridley was uh, was on the field regularly, he was a good receiver. Um, so I don't hate it for them. I think that they're putting a lot of stock in the fact that Calvin Ridley's going to come back fresh and kind of look like his old self, which has yet to be seen. But assuming he does, I think it's a good move for the Jags. I think they're happy to have him, and I think the the Falcons were just kind of sick of him. Um, and they were, they were sick of his shenanigans and sick of his attitude. They're looking to move to younger guys as we've seen from the, the previous off season. So I don't hate the move for either team. Um, I think, uh, I'm excited to see Calvin Ridley play football again, come 2023
0: or 24. Are you going to draft him?
1: No, would you, would you draft him? Um, I am. I wouldn't be excited about it, but if he was there at the appropriate time, I would consider it. Yeah.
0: Okay, I just didn't know if you were you were done with him after he burned you.
1: So. He did burn me a couple times, but time's passed. Time heals all wounds, and uh, I am uh, willing well, to start with a fresh slate.
0: Wow, that's very big of you. Um, Naeem Hines, the Bills, there are a couple things here that that are kind of interesting to me, because the implications with that trade, I think there's there's a couple things that need to be pointed out. That was John Taylor's backup right? So what happens there? Like, are they fully vested? Because Hines was still taking some of the pass catching work from John Taylor. Is this an indication that, that John Taylor is going to be work more into the passing game? I mean, we've seen it a couple times this year. I hope so for personal reasons, but I, I think that a John Taylor owners are all hoping for that, given how poorly he's played thus far. Um, and it, I, I don't want to put all the blame on him, but he hasn't turned out to be worth the one hundred and one, like he was. And I think that's a, very frustrating for a lot of people that, that drafted him there.
1: Yeah, you got to be excited if you're a John Taylor owner right now with the uh, uh, getting rid of Naheem Hines. You don't have him nipping at the heels anymore. You have to imagine. And John Taylor's proven this year, though, he hasn't been utilized on a consistent basis. He's proven that he's able to make, you know, seven to 10 catches if they just target him. Uh, You know, he Mm -hmm. can handle that workload. And honestly, it's it's good for his health, too, if they're going to use him more on the outside like that, which is his skill set. I mean, he's he's always been utilized as this between the tackles runner for some reason when he's got outside burst. And, uh, obviously with his, uh, you know, injury proneness, you don't necessarily wanting, wanting him, uh, want him running up the middle over and over again. So using him more on the outside, using him more on the casting, passing game and getting rid of that RB two in that offense, uh, all good things for John Taylor owners for sure.
0: Yeah. And then the implications for the bills, right? I, I think Devin Singletary owners, you've got to be just a little, I don't want to say flustered, but slightly worried because, the Bills have wanted to get a pass catching back. They have every move they have done in recent years has indicated that they drafted Zach Moss in the hopes that he would be that pass catching back for them. He really didn't turn out to be that guy. Then this last year, they went and got James Cook in the hopes that he would fill that pass catching role, and he really hasn't done it. Devin Singletary has. So they went and traded for Naeem Hines, and that indicates to me that very obviously they want to use this guy, they want to get him involved. And I think that. This backfield, I think if you're a James Cook owner, especially in a dynasty, you know, if it's not a dynasty format, you can easily drop James Cook now. Like that is that is easily said. Now, in a dynasty format, it makes it a little more complicated. I still am not excited to own James Cook at this juncture because Naeem Hines is now there and and I do see him, you know, him and Singletary becoming a, a timeshare-esque backfield. I think it was a great move for the Bills because the Bills have wanted to get that pass catching back. We all know that Josh Allen He he's good at throwing the he's very good at running the ball, but he's also very good at throwing the ball. So having a having an option out of the backfield to throw the ball is a great relief for him. And I think that I think Hines is going to be involved in this Bills' offense. I just don't I, I don't see a world in which it doesn't happen. Obviously, he's got to learn the playbook and stuff, so don't expect it right away. But I, I see him getting worked in rather quickly in this in this offense.
1: Yeah, I, I see the role being very similar to how he was used uh, with with the Colts because Naheem Hines is that third down back, that pass catching back, and I think that's exactly how they're going to use him. They're not going to hand the ball off to him all that often. Um, it does make you worry a little bit if you had that sneaky uh, that sneaky workhorse in Singletary. Um, you know, he's done pretty well this year. I think he's undervalued by most people. Uh, but this edition makes that a little bit more up in the air. So um I'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out between those two.
0: Yeah. And then you got Hawkinson going to the Vikings. There was just so many freaking trades. It was very fun. It was very exciting all of all of uh Tuesday when that happened because you just every time your phone buzzed, you had to pick it up and you were you were like, what the hell's going on? TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings. Really, really Interesting trade because the Vikings and the Lions are are in the same division. That's not something that you usually see happen as division mates trading players. TJ Hawkinson's been pretty damn good for the Lions as far as you know, they've he was a, a piece of this offense that they trusted. They used him. He was on the field a lot, and and now he's he's not there. So slightly surprising. I do have some a, a little bit of concerns because with the Vikings getting TJ Hawkinson, and this was right after the right alongside when Irv Smith we found out that he is going to be out for six to eight weeks. So we kind of understand why that that was done. But TJ Hawkinson has been a pretty dang good pass catcher. I'm interested to see how he's worked in on this offense because that's what he's done for the Lions. He has been that pass catching uh tight end, and and so What does that do to the rest of this team, and and what are the implications there? Obviously, you're going to play Justin Jefferson every single week. Adam Thielen's not getting any younger, right? He's getting a little bit older. Kirk Cousins is on a one-year deal, so after that, is he going to be back with the Vikings? There's just a lot of of up-in-the-air stuff, and I'm talking more in a dynasty-type aspect. I think if you own TJ Hawkinson in a redraft format, obviously you're going to play him because he's talented. He was one of those mid-tier tight ends that you're going to count on every single week. I'm just interested to see how he gets worked in with, with Kirk cousins in this offense, because they do have quite a few weapons.
1: Yeah, no, I think if you have Hawkinson, this is an upgrade for him. Um, it's a, it's a more explosive offense. They're going to be near the, uh, the end zone more often. And that's, that's good for him. But outside of that, I think this is a downgrade for everybody else from a fantasy perspective. I mean, you're, you're not going to see this offense suddenly start passing the ball more often. So you're going to see fewer targets go to the big names. That's uh that, that we've been accustomed to, um, Overall, you know, with Irv Smith out and Irv Smith was kind of coming into his own a little bit too, where he was, he wasn't ineffective. And so I don't see Hawkinson coming in and being a smash play that changes everything. But I do think the volume for all of these other pass catchers is going to decrease with this trade.
0: Mm -hmm. And then, and then you've got Chase Claypool to the bears, which I think was probably, I don't know. I think they probably spent too much to be honest. I, I think this was a great move for the Steelers because they were getting close to Deontay Johnson and Claypool's contracts coming to a, to an end, and so they wanted to get some value for one of their guys. And I, I think if if you own Deontay Johnson, this is great for him because I think this is kind of an indication they're going to keep Deontay Johnson there. I do believe, and it's going to be Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. So that that is a good site if you own either of those guys, especially in a dynasty format because there's less competition in that offense, but. What do you, you know, chase Claypool to the Bears? What what does that mean for Claypool owners? I, I, think, I think it's a pretty neutral move. If anything, I think it's a slight upgrade. And the reason being is because you have Kenny Pickett there, rookie quarterback. He's kind of learning. He's trying to figure it out. Justin Fields for the Bears. We talked about him last episode just a little bit. He was our waiver wire out of the week. He needs help. He needs weapons. He needs people to be able to catch the damn football. And Velas Jones and Byron Pringle are not the answer. They are not the answer for that Bears offense. Now, I'm not saying Chase Claypool is because he's not a true wide receiver one, but it's help for Justin Fields. So I don't hate the move for that either. I really don't. I think if anything, Claypool maybe gets a little bit of an upgrade because the only person that was catching the ball in that offense when very limitedly they threw it was Darnell Mooney. So... I think it helps them. It gives them, you know, feels a little bit more weapons. And I, I don't hate the trade either way. I think if I had to pick a winner, the Steelers won in that. But um, they, they need wide receiver help. So I, yeah. I didn't hate them.
1: Well, and the thing is, is that if the Bears maintain this trajectory, I mean, obviously when they started the year, it was abysmal. Uh, their, their passing offense, it was just terrible, you know, basically non-existent. Mm-hmm. It started to move up a little bit in the right direction. Uh, we're starting to see them utilize fields a little bit better. Um, Claypool there. I agree. I think it's pretty much a neutral move, maybe a little bit of an upgrade for him. It just depends on if they continue on that trajectory of starting to throw the ball a little bit more. The biggest takeaway for me is how the hell does green Bay feel about this? Like they've just got to be in a, in a tizzy right now. They need wide receivers desperately. The bears got the wide receiver like that. That's just, that's just worst case scenario for green Bay fans. So Aaron Davis, I'm sorry wipe your tears from your eye. Um, but it's just a it's a tough situation for those folks over in Green Bay. I, I, and I think, you know, as far as fantasy implications go, um, it's really just going to depend on Justin Fields in this play calling. If they start throwing the ball around, I like I like Chase Claypool maybe a little bit more. Um, he's obviously going to come in and make an impact in the passing game right away. But if they're only going to throw the ball 20 times a game, it's not going to matter anyway.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They were a prime candidate to try and get a wide receiver. But in true Packers fashion, they they did not do anything to help Aaron Rodgers. There was some speculation that that and some optimism that maybe Jerry Judy would get traded there. And Jerry Judy is still a Bronco. Um, as you mentioned, Kareem Hunt, another darling that many were hoping were going to get traded. The Browns wanted a fourth round for him. And I think that's all that's just too much to ask for him. Um, I think a, a fifth or a sixth, the fifth is a little bit more reasonable, I think. But a fourth round pick for Kareem Hunt was that's. That's a little pricey for that guy. So, um, and then you got Cam Akers, who, and I think this is the Cam Akers story is one that I think that we need to talk about um, because it is, it is, it's a whole clusterfuck. We'll actually, we'll talk about it here in just a little bit when we get through our starts and our sets. But Cam Akers is obviously, he's still a Ram. If you did not know, now you know. And that is where he is at. So, um, that's kind of breaking down all the trades. And and I, I I'm excited. I'm excited for a lot of these players. Chase Edmonds, as I mentioned, is probably one of my favorites. Um, and, and Jeff Wilson, I think there's an argument to be made that he could he could maybe even take over the job from Raheem. But stay tuned there.
1: Yeah, and just before we move on, keep in mind we've got six teams on buy this week. It is I'd call it a bye apocalypse if all of these teams were like a little bit better, uh, but they're <laughs> but they're not. Um, you know, obviously the 49ers are on by. That's going to be a big hit for some people. But you got the Steelers, Giants, Broncos, Cowboys, and Browns. If you've got any players on any of those rosters, obviously find some different options for this upcoming week.
0: Yes, sir. Now we are going to move on to our starts and sits of the week. Hey, you yo, boss, what's going on?
1: Sit down and shut up. Ah, uh, shut up and sit down. I'll um, shut up and sit down. Are you going to shut up and sit down? But shut you. up. And sit down. Sit down. And
0: shut the fuck up. Sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut up. So, as I mentioned, usually we have Yeti on today's episode, and unfortunately he is sick and was not able to make it. So, Scotty, you are filling in for his starts and sits. You've brought your own to the table. Would you like me to go first, or would you like to start this bad boy out?
1: Yeah, I think you should kick it off because I think you arguably have the best start of the week here. Um, and it's someone that we got to talk about and make sure we emphasize.
0: Okay. Uh we'll kick it off. We'll kick it off here. So uh first start for me this week is Josh Palmer. And and he's carrying a concussion tag into the week last week, but I I love Palmer. I think Palmer is a smash play matchup this week going against the Falcons. The Chargers wide receiver room has struggled to stay healthy. Obviously, Keenan Allen, I believe, is and and you can uh maybe give me some more information on this, but is this hamstring? Is that right? Um and it actually got quote, worse <laughs> over,
1: the, over the bye yeah. week. Keenan Allen basically came out and said, yeah, I had a rest week and it got worse somehow. <laughs> it's like, hmm. uh, I don't know how that happens. This guy's getting old. He's having trouble getting, getting healthy. But it, based on the preliminary reports, I haven't seen anything definitive yet, but it really seems likely that Keenan Allen might not play this week.
0: And if Keenan Allen doesn't play, I mean, Josh Palmer, 100%, even with Keenan Allen on the field, I still feel comfortable with Josh Palmer. I actually wrote all this before we we had heard the news about Keenan Allen potentially out. Um, at the beginning of the year, like I mentioned, it was Keenan Allen um, that got hurt. And then, you know, Mike Williams goes down the same week that Keenan Allen comes back. So Palmer's been a very consistent wide receiver too on this offense. But what I really love is that he has a wonderful matchup against a Falcons team that's allowing 306 yards passing per game. So, with him with there being a chance that he is in fact the wide receiver one on this team very obviously he is a play but even if keenan allen's in i still like josh palmer and i would still play him comfortably
1: yeah no i love that if if, if you can pick up josh palmer if you've got sitting on your bench go ahead and throw him in because the matchup as well as the injury situation there leads me to believe that he is going to be a smash play and like i said i think that's the that is the start of the week. I mean, that's that's going to be the important one to throw in your lineup. But another one that's also pretty good is Mr. Geno Smith. And obviously, you know, he's someone that if you picked him up, you've been playing him pretty much every week. So it's not, uh, you know, not usually a difficult decision. But the thing is, is that Geno Smith is playing the Cardinals yet again. And in the first matchup that they had this season, uh, Arizona was injury ridden. They didn't look great because they didn't have their weapons on the field. They only put up nine points. And Geno Smith still threw the ball 31 uh, times. And if Arizona's healthier offense now can come back and start putting up points, I think we got a real shootout potential here. Um, so I think Geno Smith is going to have a lot of opportunities to throw the ball and add in the fact that they are the underdogs in this game. So if uh, Vegas is correct, you're going to have Arizona up a lot of this game, and uh, Geno Smith is going to have to throw the ball to get them back in the game. So I think Geno Smith, he's been he's been pretty damn good all year. I think he's the quarterback five or six on the year right now, uh, and I think he is uh, not going to take a step back this week. If you got him, plug him in.
0: Let's ride or no. He didn't write back. I'm sorry. Um, Next up is Romeo dubs. Now is the time. If you're playing dub or if you're playing DFS, play dubs. If you have players on by play dubs because the matchup is there. Ladies and gentlemen, I alluded to this on Tuesday's episode, but I love dubs this week where the Packers are playing against a terrible lions defense. The Packers wide receiver room is in shambles. That is, that is the truth. They we talked about it just a moment ago. Very obviously they need wide receiver help. And Romeo dubs is the wide receiver one for this team. The Packers do not look good, but I do love dubs this week. And uh, if you watched the game at all last week, he even had a crazy old catch for a touchdown and, and Scotty, you'd kind of talked about him potentially um, earning some more trust from Rodgers, which I think we're all kind of hoping at this juncture, but uh I, I love dubs this week, and I'm actually, I own him in the league, and I'm playing him because uh, I have people on by, and I like this matchup, and I think that that he could do some good.
1: Yeah, my second start of the week is contingent here because we've heard some news today that might change this, but it's Tyler Algier. Um, and the reason I plugged him in here, assuming that Patterson does not come back to play, at least play full time, uh, but Algier has a monster game on his hands. It's cooking. Because he's facing the Chargers, who currently sit at number two in the league for most most points allowed to opposing backfield. And since it, taking over that role, Algier has 335 yards and two touchdowns, which is fine. It's serviceable. It's not great, but it's just because the Falcons suck. I think this matchup is going to mitigate that a little bit. If Algier is the key back here, I think he's going to get a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, Uh, production, but obviously we got word today that Patterson was back at practice. Um, I think technically he was limited, but, oh, my dogs are freaking, out. sorry. Um, But I think technically he was limited, but if he comes back, obviously that downgrades Algier quite a bit. But honestly, even if Patterson plays, you have to imagine they're not going to throw him in uh, at a full workload immediately. I think Algier still has some value, but if Patterson's out, he is a smash play for me this week.
0: Would you play him knowing that Patterson is full go?
1: Depends on what other options I have. Um, you know, we're in the bipocalypse week here. Six teams on by. It's possible that Algiers is, is your best option, uh, even with Patterson on. And I do think that even, you know, Patterson comes back and plays, which looks like the most likely scenario right now. Um, I do think that Algier is still going to get a fair workload, maybe 12, 13 carries. Um, and I think you could probably do a lot uh, against this uh, uh, against this Chargers defense. So,
0: Would you – would you feel more comfortable and and this is all hypothetical, so understand that. But um if you had Rashad White and Cordero Patterson was playing and you also had and you had an Algier or Algier, would you uh would you play White or Tyler Algier?
1: I think Algier's got the upside uh there. Okay. Um but you know, Rashad White, I think, is safer. He's making a he's making a case for himself to to sort of take over that backfield in Tampa, especially considering the fact that uh, Tampa Bay is obviously not performing, and I think they're looking to make changes and try and kickstart their offense. Um, so, I think Rashad White, you're going to start seeing him get more and more touches. Uh, but again, that's sort of speculation. Playoff Lenny still played pretty great. Um, he's not, uh, not the most efficient, but he is getting a lot of touches there. They're relying on him a lot. And I don't know that they're just going to, they're just going to throw him away like that. So I think Algier's got the upside there, but I wouldn't hate the other side either.
0: Okay. My last start of the week is Gabe Davis. And I know people are thinking slap dog. What in the world are you doing? Putting Gabe Davis as your start of the week. So hear me out. This dude is a boomer bust player every single week, and I totally understand that. I get it. I own Gabe Davis. I understand. But I think that this week he might boom, and here's why. The Bills are going up against a top 10 Jets defense, which in and of itself is an absolutely absurd sentence. The Jets have a top 10 defense, but they do. They really do. And there is a man on the Jets defense named Sauce Gardner, and he is going to be matched up with Diggs all game long. It's no secret that... Uh, Stefan Diggs is Josh Allen's wide receiver one. It's the guy that he goes to. But I think that Davis is going to have to be more involved for this offense. This offense has shown no signs of slowing down. But I think that the matchup is there for Diggs to safely play him this week. And I think that for a lot of people, you're probably most likely going to play Diggs anyway because his ceiling is as high as it is. But his floor is also very dangerous. So. He, does, he is a true boom-bust guy, but I think that if, you know, especially given all the buys this week, Gabe Davis, I I, I like as a play this week, and I, I would feel comfortable throwing him in, in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I, I really want to touch on, if you own Stefan Diggs, I'm not worried about this matchup, and primarily... No. I, well, and I, I'm kind of also in the... Uh, Uh, I think I'm in the minority here, but I think Sauce Gardner is one of the more overrated defensive players. I think he gets away with a lot of defensive holding and a lot of DPI um, for whatever reason that they don't throw the flag on. He's a very aggressive defensive player. And if you get the right uh, officiating crew in there, I think he's going to get called for a lot of those, uh, especially against a really talented and, and veteran wide receiver like uh like Diggs. So, um you know I don't I don't hate the I don't hate the call overall, but I do think Diggs is going to put Sauce Gardner in his place a little bit this weekend. We'll have to see.
0: Okay. We will see. Who's your last start this week?
1: Last start is Mr. Chris Olave. Now we all know that the Saints wide receiver room is more banged up than Riley Reed, but that likely will not change in the near future here. Chris Olave is going to work as the top option for this passing game against a Baltimore defense. That's top five in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. He's been averaging nine targets per game and the biggest number here, 15.2 yards on average depth per target. That's great. Um, He uh, in the four games that he's played without Michael Thomas, he's been targeted 34 times. He's gone uh, 20 receptions, 279 yards, and two touchdowns. He's got high-end upside this week. I am all on board with Chris Olave.
0: Yeah, he what are, I, I mean, there's an argument for him to be Rookie of the Year. He's one of those guys. There's actually quite a few rookies that like could be in that conversation, but he certainly has earned himself a role as one of those guys. So love that as a start of the week. And we're going to move to our sits. I'll just go ahead and start us off here. Uh, Brandon Cooks. Is my sit of the week. And to be honest with you, Cooks may already be sitting on your bench. So if he is, I think this is a week where you probably can just leave him there. I understand the buys and everything you might be forced to. But uh, if you have other options, I would certainly explore those because that another one of those guys that given all the trades and everything that was happening, there was a lot of hope that Brandon Cooks would go find a new home. But here we are. And here he is still with the Texans. Uh, And they're they're playing against a very good Eagles defense this week that just saw even more upgrades due to some trades. There was some we don't do IDP here for fantasy football because we are not that full uh, down or down the rabbit hole. But um, the Eagles did get some defensive players that that will help them. And I'm not expecting much from cooks this week due to the matchup. And uh, as well as the fact that he is the only person in this offense that really catches the ball for the Texans. So I think he's going to be very well covered against a top tier defense. And I would sit him this week.
1: Yeah, Cooks has had a rough season. It's been kind of disappointing because he was he was always that reliable fantasy option that you could have. And um, we just haven't really seen it from him uh, over the last few weeks. So hopefully he takes a step up as the as the one guy uh, who can catch the ball against a team that's going to put up a shitload of points. So we'll have to see. But I, I don't hate that at all. I think you're probably right. Um, my first sit of the week is Mr. Deonta Foreman and there's been a lot of hype around this guy and, and rightly so. I mean, he, uh, obviously after the CMC trade, he was kind of known as the RB one, but we thought it was going to be a pretty significant timeshare and starting off in week seven. I think that was proven. It was, it was a significant timeshare until Hubbard went out early with that injury. And then Foreman kind of ran away with it. And Hubbard also missed last week and, and, uh, you know, Foreman came out and dominated was a great running back for you. A top 10, top 10 running back on the week. Um, so we love that, but he's got a real test coming up here. He's, uh, he's playing against who is it? the, I want to say the bangles. Yeah. He's playing against the bangles. Uh, And that's a team that ranks bottom 10 in fantasy points allowed to running backs. And on top of that, Hubbard is going to come back healthy. So this is the real test for him in a couple ways, because he's going to be playing a good defense. We saw what he did to Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay looked like they forgot how to play football. Um, So he's going to be playing a good defense that remembers how to play football, I assume. And Hubbard's going to be there also. So we need to see how their usage uh, is together. If this is going to be a split backfield or if Foreman has made a case for himself to be the RB1, the definitive RB1 in that offense, Uh, I'm not taking the risk on him this week. But I'm also if I've got him on my bench, I'm watching this game closely because if Foreman comes out and performs again, he is going to be someone that you are very, very glad you picked up. Uh, But I am guessing that he's probably going to get somewhere in the ballpark of nine to 11 carries. I think he's going to be underwhelming against a good Bengals defense. Um, So I'm sitting him this week.
0: I hope that you are wrong, as a foreman owner who needs him. So that would be wonderful uh, for him to do good. My next sit of the week is all of the Jets wide receivers. This is starting to become a trend for me, but I I will be sitting any Jets wide receivers that I own once again this week. By some grace of God, the Jets are somehow five and three, but they're playing against the Bills, who lead their division. The Bills are ranked ninth overall for protecting the pass, and I think Wilson. Zach Wilson is a horrible quarterback. I, I really don't think he's great. He has not progressed like I've wanted him to. And I, I don't think he's going to get the job done against this Bills defense. I don't trust his ability to get his his wide receivers, who are very talented, the ball. So I would be exploring some other options this week for any Jets wide receivers, which is very unfortunate. You're muted there, Scotty.
1: Sorry, my mute button is a little bit... Uh a little bit temperamental at times. Uh, My second set of the week is somebody that a lot of folks picked up after we saw Mark Andrews leave the field early last weekend. Um, It's Isaiah likely. And I don't hate this pickup because I think Mark Andrews from the preliminary reports we've seen, it's likely he'll miss a few games. And I think Isaiah likely, as he showed us in the last week when he went uh, for 77 yards and a touchdown at an 18% target share, um, he has proven that he can be a very effective part of this offense. and The other thing, too, is that Rashad Bateman's out, right? So Isaiah likely quickly became like one of the favorite targets uh, for this offense. Um, But the problem is this week, they are playing a defense that allows the second-to-last points to tight end. Um, So... We got to look at this from an objective perspective here. This week, Isaiah Likely is a backup tight end with a quarterback who rushes in the red zone against a top tier defense. Against this position, I think he's going to be touchdown dependent. It's possible that he gets one of those targets in the red zone and he ends up being fine. But if he doesn't do that, I think he's going to disappoint a lot of people who picked him up this week.
0: I this one's did you just go to my my roster and just like. Look at all my players and you're like, yeah, I'd sit all these guys this week. Is that what you did? Because it's what it feels like.
1: No. Yeah. No, you just make bad decisions. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, I do have Mark
0: Andrews, and I I needed a a replacement for him because I I hope he actually doesn't play this week. Um I don't hate it, but here's here's my thing with this: is what other options do you have? Right? I mean, the the tight end wasteland is so scarce and disgusting and sad. What other options do you have? So especially in like a 12 team league that there's not a lot of options at tight end. So if you have likely you're going to play him, right? Because this offense is, is very prone to throwing to the tight end position. We've seen that, you you know, Mark Andrews is very obviously a top tier tight end. He goes out and then I likely is the top tier target. So I, I think you still got to play him if you own him, unless you do have, you know, like if you have like a a Hayden Hurst or a Njoku's out, um, I'd take, like a Muth. I'd
1: take Hayden Hurst over him. Okay. Pat Fryer-Muth. Mm, I don't, who are they playing
0: this week? Oh, I don't know that off the top of my head. I Actually, think it's going to be. They on, it, they're on buy, aren't they? The oh, Steelers?
1: Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's gonna be a matchup dependent conversation. I think you're right. I mean, obviously, like you said, the tight end position is disgusting. So you have to do what you gotta do. And and there there are probably plenty of people out there, maybe yourself included, who say, okay, if Mark Andrews is out, I need likely. Like and you don't have any other options. Yeah. But I put this in there for the people who have a couple tight ends, uh, you know, maybe have one other tight end who's kind of been mid tier. Um, and it's all gonna depend on matchup. The fact of the matter is is that Isaiah likely has a bad matchup. And like I said, it's very possible. This is an explosive offense. You have Lamar Jackson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, behind the center. Uh, It's very possible that he does get in the end zone, and and he's totally fine. Uh, But I just think that this week of the rest of the weeks that uh, Mark Andrews is likely to miss, this is going to be the hardest matchup for him. Uh, And the other thing is, is that, you know, you might make the argument that Rashad Bateman being out obviously increases the target share for likely, but it also allows the defense to key on likely on a position that they're already good at keying on. Um, So I see them locking him down. He's a young tight end, doesn't have a lot of experience. He's playing a very good defense. I just don't see him going far.
0: We will see on Sunday. My last sit of the week is another group of people, and I don't know if this is cheating, but to be completely honest, I don't know who the hell it is. It's the entire Rams running back room. And who knows with this entire group, I would be benching all of these motherfuckers until I've, until they figure out what they're going to do with this backfield. I, I, don't, I don't want any of them. Henderson was there last week, and the rookie running back came in, and he led the backfield. Cam Akers, as we talked about a little bit earlier, he did not get traded. He did not get traded. He will be back with the team. He will be – they they say he's going to be worked into the offense and he will be a part of this offense, but it's just such a murky situation and I really don't want any of it. What do you do? I mean, they the week previous to the trade deadline, Sean McVay sent this gentleman home and he said, don't come to practice. And then they say, yeah, we're trying to sell him. They couldn't sell him for anything. And it's like, okay, now come back. I don't know what conversations are going on behind closed doors that we are not privy to, but this is just such a crap situation. And for fantasy football, it makes it incredibly frustrating because is Cam Akers going to come back? Is he going to be worked into this offense? Is he going to take time away from Henderson? What's going on with this rookie? Because the the guy who was second in command did not play. They brought the rookie up. So it's it's very, very murky. It is a disgusting situation. And then this is all paired with the fact that the Rams are going against a very difficult Tampa defense that is only allowing 17 points per game to the running back position. And honestly, I think this is even skewed a little bit due to that Panthers game that you mentioned earlier. This makes it really difficult and it's not something I want to touch. So I understand that you have people on by, but I would be looking at playing a lot of other running backs before I would consider anybody from the Rams.
1: Yeah. And speaking of murky situations, I've got another one for you. You know, it turns out that Ron Rivera is a very hard man to please, right? Because Brian Robinson got shot and then he said, coach, don't you worry. Give me a few weeks. I'll be back on the field for you. No problem. He goes, kicks ass at his rehab, comes back, starts playing. He immediately starts kicking ass on the field too. You know, Brian Robinson looked like he was the lock. Uh, as the, or the as the RB1 for Washington in Week 6 and 7. He carried the ball 37 times for 133 yards and a touchdown. Robinson barely saw the field in Week 8 versus the Colts, and uh, Antonio Gibson started the game for Washington. Robinson was rotated into the game, but so was McKissick, and Gibson led uh, the uh, Washington backs with 22 snaps. So J.D. saw all the third down work and uh, the two-minute work, and this backfield is just gross right now, and we don't know what to make of it. I, 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 I'm someone who was pretty high on Brian Robinson when he came back and immediately got that workhorse role, but man, at this point in time, you just can't trust it at all, and I'd be sitting him.
0: Yeah, and I, it, it. You also got to point out like Washington. Uh, when they went up against the Minnesota's defense, they only allowed 22 yards to you know Benjamin, 49 to Moster, and 31 to Montgomery and Herbert. So they are a very good run defense that they're going up against this week, paired with the fact that you don't know. It's kind of like a Rams situation. I think that, if anything, Gibson's probably the safest play at the moment, but that could change on a week-to-week basis, and that is Ron Rivera at his core, which is very frustrating for fantasy football, but what do you do? You know, because you can't drop either of them because if one injury goes your way, then you have a starter. And but on a weekly basis, it makes it very frustrating. So I do like that. I think that is a a very good sit of the week. And that's it. That is all of our starts and sits. So we're gonna move on to our questions.
1: Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. All right. First question comes from Alternative Arm, eight two four two. What do you think is? What do you think it is? Probably a robot arm. Maybe he's a veteran. Guess, like, Thank you for your service. I was,
0: I was going to guess a cat arm.
1: Mm, that's possible. All right. Do you think he should trade away Joe Mixon for Kenneth Walker in a PPR league?
0: That is an interesting one, and I oh brother. I think I'd do it. Is that crazy? Is that crazy to say? I think I would do it because Kenneth Walker has solidified himself as the running back one. And realistic, what I'm what I'm really liking is his volume. Joe Mixon's volume right now is very sporadic. It comes and goes. Joe Mixon, one week, he has 17 touches. The next week, he has eight touches. He's got 12 touches one week. The next week, he's got 24. So it, part of it's game script, and I understand that. But, um... <sighs> I'm looking at their end of season schedule and both are disgusting. <laughs> both both end of season. I mean, you have Kenneth Walker who's got starting in week 14, Panthers, 49ers, Chiefs, Jets. Not great. Starting in week 14 for Mixon, you got the Browns, Tampa, New England, Bills. So they're both in really shitty like end of season projections. I think I would take Walker. Yeah. I think I would take Walker that because he's just seen he, you can't predict touchdowns, but Walker is just as of late, he's just been munching on him. He's just been going to town, eating some tutties and, uh, and Mixon is not. So I think I would take Kenneth Walker.
1: Yeah. I'm pulling up the rest of season rankings here from fantasy pros, just cause I want to see kind of what they're thinking. Um And yeah, they've got Kenneth Walker quite a bit higher. Kenneth Rocker sitting at seven. They've got Joe Mixon at 12. Um, You know, here's here's the thing. Uh, When you have two guys that are pretty similar, neither of them are in great situations. Joe Mixon's been getting decent volume, but he's been running like. uh, um, Oh, what's his name? Why am I? I'm forgetting the name of the Steelers running back. Naji? Yeah, Naji. He's running like Naji. He's getting like 2.5 yards a carry or 3.2 yards a carry. It's just not great. Joe Mixon's not as efficient as he was last year, not as efficient as we thought he would be going forward. Um, you got to bet on the talent. And Kenneth Walker, you, you want to bet on the guy who's ascending, not on the guy who's descending. Um, so I agree with you. I think I'm taking Kenneth Walker. Um, although... Looking at the rest of season, we're getting to crunch time in the fantasy football season where now you got to start winning games to make sure you get to the playoffs. Uh, and yeah. the rest of season does matter uh, for these guys. And Joe Mixon, with the volume that he gets, he still holds some value. And obviously playing on a pretty high powered offense, he still holds some value. Maybe see if you can get a different running back for him. Someone whose the rest of season schedule looks a little bit more favorable. Um, you know, just kind of explore the options there a little bit. But in a vacuum, if this is your option, I think I agree. I would take the trade.
0: Yeah. I, it's just too Kenneth Walker's doing too good not to acknowledge it yeah
1: yeah our next question comes from R Walt one zero two seven which side are you taking Jeff Wilson or Kenyon Drake this week full PPR
0: I'm gonna say Kenyon Drake because Jeff Wilson just got traded, and I like I I, I want to see how the Dolphins use him. Is he going to be worked in over uh, Raheem Mostert, and what what does that look like? What does his role look like with the Dolphins? He's not going to have enough time to really learn the playbook and get him fully vested and involved in this team. Kenyon Drake is. A much safer option this week. He is somebody who he's he's ingrained in this offense. He's been doing really well, and he is looking like he's going to lead the backfield again this week. So I give me Drake on this one. I, I think that's it's pretty easy for me.
1: Yeah, this week I, I definitely agree with you, especially because Gus Edwards is still questionable. Right? We're still not sure that he's going to play at all. Um, and if Gus Edwards is out completely, then Kenyon Drake is a smash play. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think Kenyon Drake is the safer one with the, with the recent trade. You just don't know how this guy is going to be worked into the offense, especially the first week there. Um, so it's just one of those things where I'm, I, I would take Kenyon Drake as the safe option and the upside option. So all day long. Next question comes from worried opening eight, nine, four, nine. That's, I don't know what to think about that name. So, uh um, yeah. What kind of, I don't want to know. There's one opening that I'm really worried about a lot of the time. (laughs) That's probably it. Um, Which side, oh, who are you starting this week? Brady versus the Rams or Fields versus the Dolphins?
0: I'm going to take Fields versus the Dolphins on this one, I think. Uh, Fields is actually not doing too bad. We talked about him earlier. He was a waiver wire target this week. I actually went and got Fields myself. Hopefully it pays off, but we will see. I just think I I, Tom Brady has not looked great. He has not looked great, and the Miami defense is kind of middle of the pack, I believe. And I don't have the stats right in front of me for how much they're giving to quarterbacks, but I'll look. Um, okay, Tom Brady, man, he the Rams defense is a uh, they're still a good defense. They still have a lot of pieces there. I think that and and Tom Brady's offensive line has not looked great. You have to think the Rams defense still have a gentleman by the name of Aaron Donald who is going to get some sacks in this game. I see that happening very prominently. Justin Fields, we're starting to see some more um, scripted plays for him to use his feet, and he is efficient running the ball. So I think Fields has a much safer uh, floor than than Brady this week. Yeah,
1: and the Dolphins are top 10 in points allowed to quarterbacks. Yeah, they're ranked number seven. They allow 20.2 points to quarterbacks every week. Um, so that is, uh, I agree with you. I mean, you can't bet on Brady right now, given how just abysmal this offense has looked and how bad he has looked. He looks old. Um, and we we expected him to look old last year, but he just didn't He defied all of it. But you know, the combination of his body deteriorating and his marriage deteriorating and his season deteriorating, it's weighing on the guy as it would anybody. So, um, until, and, and like, I've said it before. You can't count Tom Brady out. You know, eventually, I think they're going to figure it out. This offense is going to start looking a little bit better. You're going to see Tom Brady put the team on his back like he always does. Um, but I, yeah, I agree with you 100. Fields is on the up and up right now. They got a good matchup. It looks like, um, and I would, uh, I'd take him. All right. Next question comes from Me seeks and destroys. Should I take or should I trade away Amari? For Najee, my wide receivers are Adam, CD, Keenan Allen, and my running backs are Kamara, Montgomery, and Singletary.
0: No, <laughs> you shouldn't. Uh, you probably do need a little bit of running back help, and if you're looking to trade Amari away, you need to look for more value than Najee because Najee, what you're doing, me seeks and destroys, is... You're purchasing Najee for his name value and what he had done last year. And realistically, you look at he's not doing anything this year. He's not going to do anything this year because he's on a bad offense. He's on an offense with a rookie quarterback who does not check down the ball. Najee's not even that great of a running back. What he's good at is catching the ball out of the backfield and running. They're not doing that this year with Najee. Amari Cooper is a top. I believe it's he's in the top 15 wide receiver group right now. You need to get more of the Najee for him, and I think that you can. And and make the sales pitch, hey, look, by the way, right now he's top 15 wide receiver with Jacoby Brissett. Week 13, Deshaun Watson comes back. So if you're looking for a playoff wide receiver, this is your guy. That's the sales pitch you use. Go get yourself a better running back than Najee because I don't hate selling Amari, but I I would not even consider selling him for for Najee now.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and honestly, you know, I, I would agree. I think you could add a little bit of running back depth, but Kamara is, he's got a case to be the number one running back on the year rest of season. Um, He is a PPR machine, uh, just a freak at that spot. And so you got to be happy with him. And I actually think Montgomery is not going to be doing too bad rest of season. Singletary, it all depends on how that trade works out, but he's been a workhorse for the season. You know, I'm not upset about having those guys there. I think adding another piece is, is a smart move. Yes. Uh, But if you don't do this trade, Amari Cooper has been a great wide receiver. He's only going to be better for the rest of the season. You know, I'm, I'm looking to get a lot of value if you're going to trade him away for sure. So I agree with you. Don't do that trade. Najee can suck it. All right. Next question Mm. comes from Zomix. Zomix. He's in a redraft one quarterback league. Which side are you taking? Mark Andrews, Kareem Hunt, and Isaiah Likely, or Travis Etienne?
0: I'm going to take Travis Etienne on this one. I, uh, it really depends on what your team makeup is. I can't definitively tell you. Yeah, you need to do that, or no, you don't, because Mark Andrews is that pivotal. Um, That league winning tight end The guy who will make a difference week in and week out In fantasy football it, The problem right now is he's injured Obviously you're pairing him up with Isaiah Likely Who uh, will be the guy when Mark Andrews is out So either way they're going to get a, a top tier Tight end-esque role Kareem Hunt Not, I mean, he's a feasible plug in RB2 slash flex desperate option, but beyond that, I'm not excited about him. So, Travis Etienne is very clearly the winner, but it really just depends on what you're needing. You know, are you super desperate for a running back? Because if you are, then yeah, I like that trade. But if you still have a lot of running back depth, I would keep Mark Andrews if you think you're going to, you know, make a playoff run. If you're looking not to take last, then yeah, I would take Travis Etienne. But it, you know, I don't know what your team makeup looks like to tell you definitively one way or the other. In a vacuum, Travis Etienne side, I do like. I I would I, I like that.
1: Yeah, no, it really does depend on the rest of your team because Mark Andrews, you know, will will be back, you know, in plenty of time for your playoff run or you know right toward the end of the our the fantasy regular season. Um, and he is a potential league winner for you. If you get Mark Andrew, if you have Mark Andrews in your tight end spot and you are in the playoffs, uh, that puts you in a great position and probably in a better position than a lot of the other people, uh, that you'll be competing against. So I'm not trading away Mark Andrews lightly, even though he's injured right now. And Travis Etienne has been an ascending talent. I think, you know, he's, he's, his, his average points per game have gone up over the last five, six weeks now. Um, and I think he's averaging over the last two weeks, like 17, uh, standard points per game. Um, so he is obviously a beast. You'd love to have him, but it all depends on your running back situation. If you've got usable running backs right now, Mark Andrews is a league winner. Um, but if you are really struggling and you need a running back immediately in order to make the playoffs, um, then yeah, I, I, wouldn't hesitate trading him away. So it all depends on what you got sitting on your roster right now. And our final question comes from Mr. McGarza. I need to pick up a defense. Who's a bigger letdown? Drop CEH or drop Sutton?
0: You got to drop Clyde, I think is is the right answer here. Um, I don't know what defense you have on your roster that you're just holding. That would be my my number one question because typically I stream defenses, so I don't waste a roster spot unless I've got like a top three defense. And I know that, you know, they have a really juicy end of season schedule. I'm not going to keep them around. I'll just drop them and grab somebody else in the hopes that maybe I can get them again. But if, if you're dead set on dropping somebody, it's Clyde Edwards Lair for me. I have, you probably haven't listened to the show, you know, for the last eight months, but I don't like Clyde have not liked Clyde. And I, he's extremely touchdown dependent. So we were telling, telling everybody to sell him, you know, at the very beginning of the year. And, and, uh, Unfortunately, it doesn't look like that happened for you. Sutton has a much higher ceiling than Clyde does. Clyde's usage is not there. The only thing that you pray is that Clyde will get you a touchdown every day. At least with Cortland Sutton, he might catch some balls and get you some points on the board. I would drop Clyde.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And we've talked time and time again now about Sutton's schedule coming up here. And unfortunately, this over the weekend, good matchup. He just wasn't the receiver who was able to capitalize on it. Uh, but either way, I, you know, Sutton, if he's sitting on your bench right now, and especially with all these bye weeks going on, I'm not afraid to plug him into the lineup. Um, I think he's going to be just fine for you. Um, I think right now Sutton has kind of proven that in this offense he is really matchup dependent. But the good news is, is he's got some good matchups still to come. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a literal crapshoot every single week because he's going to get seven touches, and if one of those happens to be on the one-yard line, then you're feeling great. Um, And he's done that a lot this year, but it's just not something – when you're looking at the efficiency of a running back, you have to look at their usage because that's going to tell you how likely they are to do something. And Clyde's usage just isn't there. I think after this bye week, I really do think that they're going to move toward Pacheco. Um, not not as the RB1 but I think they're going to get him more touches. One, you know, we're we're getting to the point now where he's got some games under his belt, he's got some experience under his belt. He's demonstrated that he's able to do a lot with the football and they had a bye week to to kind of re- to rest the team, figure out what they want to do. I think we're going to come out and see the Chiefs utilize Pacheco a lot more for the rest of the season, uh, which obviously only drops Clyde's value. Um, so I agree with you 100%. I would drop Clyde edwards Flair in that with uh you know in a heartbeat. Uh but you should have traded him like 4 weeks ago.
0: Yes, sir. And that is all the questions that we have. And that's all the time that we have. So if this is your first time here. You are officially a brainiac. Welcome aboard. My friends go follow us at Twitter at LeatherBrains with a Z. It's a good old smashing time. We put a lot of funny things out there. We put a lot of serious things out there. But most importantly, we're talking about fantasy football all the time. Go check us out. Give us a follow. We'll talk to you there. It'll be a great old time. And uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Give us a follow. Do all the other things. And uh, and that's it. Scotty, you ready to go?
1: Uh, Yes, I am ready to go.
0: All right. Then we
1: are out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leather Brains. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and YouTube, as well as following us at Leather Brains on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for specific fantasy advice, including draft advice, trade insight, starts and sits, or even if you want our thoughts on your sports bets, please feel free to send us a DM on Twitter for an answer and a chance to have your question featured on a future episode. Again, thank you for tuning in and we'll be back before you know it.